Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of Star Wars Ranked. Me and a guest today, the great Joseph Scrimshaw, are looking back at The Empire Strikes Back. And we're going to rank some stuff from it. But Joseph, this one's going to be a little different. Hello, sir, and welcome back. Oh, I am happy to be here on your show in my apartment and trying to live up to being described as the great. <laughs> you are the great man. You are the great. Uh, you know, I, I we don't acknowledge it much here, but occasionally you and I uh, get uh, tricked into competing into some Star Wars trivia. And uh, <laughs> I was just watching some of the preview shows. Uh, uh, Brad Gilmore, who I think is great, Jen Sturger are great, and they're 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 looking at you. They're like they're talking you up, man, because you're great at knowledge 
and understanding Star Wars. Two separate things, by the way, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and knowledge about Star Wars. So anyways, that's been on my mind. And uh, all, all my uh, money's behind you, sir. I'm uh, betting against myself. So. Oh, okay. Well, I'll bet for you. And then we, we can share the money, right? That's how betting works. Yep. That's, right? I, I think that's perfectly legal. And then if either of us gets in, uh, in trouble with a mobster, we can run away together and it'll be beautiful. The Star Wars story we always want. <laughs> this is uh, an anniversary week. It's actually a couple. I've seen a lot of 15-year uh, Revenge of the Sith celebrations. And we at Force Center, we talk a lot about Revenge of the Sith and the prequels. We love them. We're prequelists. So this week, though, we focused on The Empire Strikes Back, 40. That's a big, giant, important anniversary. And we really took a deep dive on the main show this past week. Hope you all listened to it. In fact... One of the items on my list was greatly influenced by the discussion we had on on Tuesday's main show while I, uh, while I just kind of thought about it. So uh, that's where we are here today. Uh, we're looking back, and this week uh, the episode is The Best Things Empire Strikes Back Gave Us. Um, so, and, and I'll set it up a little bit. I told Joseph that's the title, relatively close to what I said. We sometimes change the <laughs> up, and I said, go crazy. Go crazy. I'm not going to tell you. You're not going to tell me. We're just going to pull things from the movie. Deep, silly, funny. And that's what we're uh, going to go into today. But, uh, but first, I want to acknowledge something. And Joseph, uh, let's really just give some high praise to our friend Tony Thaxton. Yeah. You all heard his new theme music. That's the intro. We even got a new Ooh. outro song coming. Uh, Tony Thaxton, Joseph, never ceases to amaze me. He's so good. He's an amazing uh, person on many levels, but man, doing this uh, doing this Star Wars music is great. We can say, hey, I kind of wanted to have this mood. You could maybe kind of reference this uh, part of a Star Wars soundtrack, and then he just goes bananas and makes it perfect. He really does, and 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 this was made possible us being able to employ uh, employ Tony and bring in his genius from all of you on Patreon, patreon.com slash four centers, where you can support us. It was a uh, a goal of ours, we put the goals up. Uh, sometimes they're fun goals or community goals. Sometimes they're just straight business goals. And that's what I I view. And, and Joseph, uh, I think you're right there with me. We view Patreon as that. It's an investment in us and we invest back in you and the show. And uh, we brought Tony in. And you're right, so right. You know, I, I've, I've heard all of his stuff. I, I, you know, Happy Beeps and Data Bank Brawl, the Force Center. Made, like, he's so great. But I said, hey, here's what I'm going for. I, I, I kind of love the, you know, the, the, the music at the end of Phantom Menace. And, and you'll see in the, in the outro, I kind of like the Ewok stuff. He tinkered with it. He came back and he's like, I don't know. Is this what you, is this, is this what you like? Cut to me in my office here. Uh, eyes getting watery. Because I was like, it's exactly what I dreamed of. <laughs> and I, I wrote him actually. I said, Tony, you and I aren't super close yet. I said, yet. After we're, after we're clear from this, you and I are going to get a beer and talk and get to know each other even more. But I said, you just made me cry Why you, by your music because it's exactly, you plucked it out of my soul and it's fun, it's silly, and it's part of Star Wars. So, uh, hey, big shout out to Tony Thaxton. And a big th shout out to you, Joseph, for uh, just number one, having the connection years ago and having the foresight to go, this guy, we got to bring him into the ranks here doing some music and stuff. So, <laughs> he makes yeah. some beautiful, beautiful Star Wars music. It is great music yeah. and it is whimsical. So I offer my personal peace orb to Tony Thaxton. <laughs> 
Bears. So uh, with uh, that said, uh, we're going to dive into this episode of Star Wars Rank. Looking back uh, at The Empire Strikes Back, the most heralded of all Star Wars movies and with good reasons. But we're going to take a look at uh, all the things the movie brought us, the best things Empire Strikes Back gave us a lot of gifts in here. We're going to work five to one. Joseph, you're up first with your number five. Yeah, so I, I tried to interpret this as best as I can, your vision. And I went with some stuff that's actual physical products, uh, some stuff that's a, a mood or a concept or something that means something uh, to either myself personally or the larger Star Wars community. So my number five of best things that uh, Empire Strikes Back gave us is a giant wall of sad Lobot action figures. <laughs> yes. This is something I have talked about on various Star Wars podcasts uh, over the years. It's uh, It came to my mind because it is one of those things that arose out of the film kind of naturally, but in my mind, in my soul, took on this other idea, this other meaning, and it builds community. Uh, so if you're going like, what do you mean by a big wall of sad Lobots? Let me make myself clear. Back in the day, the Kenner action figures, not quite in 1980, but we're starting to talk 81, 82, before uh, Return of the Jedi is coming out. And Star Wars is still popular, but it's waning a little bit. Uh, those Kenner action figures, very popular. Some ones that are very hard to find, but warming the old pegs was Lobot. And I remember just as a child, I don't think I ever had Lobot because I had to make choices, but there was that kind of sad period getting getting on toward the end of Empire's uh, dominance before Jedi came out, and just you go to a store and just like, bunch of Lobots again. And <laughs> it's not just the action figures, and it's not just that you could go and see a wall of sad Lobots. There's something to me that Lobot is the kind of character that we love to poke fun at in the Star Wars community of a character that, hey, if you dive in and you think about them and you explore them, the character can become interesting and nuanced and we can tell more stories. But just on the surface, when you're talking action heroes and you could have a Hoth Hawn or you could have a Bespin Leia or you could have, you know, Bosk, these characters that demand to, to have the action, an action figure in their title. And instead, you got the quiet guy with a half of an old IBM wrapped around his bald head and with his poofy lime yellow, you know, sleeves, he, he doesn't cry for action. He doesn't cry, take me home with you and create new stories. And so what could have been something we just disliked became something we loved. And to me, Lobot is the first of the seal bibbles, the first of the constable Zuvios, and his tradition continues. Oh, so... So, so well said and beautiful and so right because you still see it today uh, even with the smaller figure lines and, and sometimes it's a used as a statement against the characters by those who would spin things off into negative territory uh, but it's not to me it's part of the Star Wars tradition and pulling back the curtain we, we've talked about some of our earlier uh, days of where, where you and I met uh, through Audrey Curtin's panel over there at uh, LA Comic Con and and uh, there's all these little signposts along the way of just like how I knew I really enjoyed working with you or was going to maybe, you know, if we work together. Uh, because, you know, we in LA and comics particularly, we can kind of do some dog butt sniffing around each other. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And I'm guilty of that a lot. But this was one of the first things I, I remember hearing you say on a show where I just like this guy not only gets it, he's lived it. 
and he can express it so well. <laughs> Thad Lobot Wall just just speaks to me. And <laughs> I'm so glad. And and, and you're so right. And tie the, the, the tie the history to it. And and the choice you'd mentioned the tough choices like. I have a I somewhere I've since sold it, of course, but like I had the the Bespin security guard, the um, I think it was the Asian guy with like the, the mustache uh, who's there. And I had that one and I had to make a choice. Do I want <laughs> the forlom or this guy? You know, and it's like it's a low bot often was not the choice. No, he was uh, he was on the bottom list for many of us. But now he is high in my heart and uh, number five on my list of uh, of rankings for what Empire Strikes Back gave us. Uh, you got it, sir. You uh, question whether you interpreted my vague uh, title right. <laughs> you got it. We're going to go to my number five. And this is a moment I, I think I've always loved. And, uh, you know, it's a Star Wars fan. Uh, Star Wars fans, we love to dive into these little things and just kind of have our head cannons and, and create stories. And, and you talk off just at the tip of the iceberg storytelling. Well, this is quite literally a tip of the iceberg storytelling moment. And one of Star Wars' best unanswered questions, it comes from The Empire Strikes Back, C-3PO and R2-D2 melting ice in Princess Leia's cabin with a thermal heater. What happened in there? <laughs> what did Leia think when she came back? How did they do this? Does this explain while her, why her outfits weren't packed and ready to go? I don't know. I absolutely, for years and years and years, loved it. I love this moment. And when I was a kid, it's one of those early moments where you feel, I don't know, smart bringing this up with your friends. Uh, wh what, do you, what do you think uh, our 3 PO and R2 were doing in uh, the thing? And, and you know, he, they explain it. R2 turned up the thermal heater and, and, and that melted everything in the cabin. But what was going on? 3PO says, I, I merely commented it was freezing in an ice base. So it's perfect character of comedy, uh, the comedy of character, all those kind of things we love, especially around 3PO. Empire is a very funny movie. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Dan Brooks just wrote a great article about that on StarWars.com about, hey, don't forget, Empire is perhaps the funniest of the Star Wars movies because it's so in tune with the characters. And this, to me, is one of the great 3PO and R2 moments. And I want to know what happens. What happens when Leia goes back to her cabin and goes, what the is going on in here <laughs> that's my number five. Oh, that is a great one because it is something that is actually from the film but it's also something from your life that <laughs> you were like hey hey kids you think you got some deep cuts uh i want to yeah. talk about the droids bickering <laughs> yeah. that's pretty great uh yeah i love that because it is just such a character moment with uh 3po and r2 studying for the trivia contests i've realized i think a lot of us can just kind of glaze over the 3PO moments. Not that we don't remember them or they're not fun, but it, it can you can miss some of the nuances unless you really pay attention to what exactly what 3PO and R2 are bickering about. Mm. And I love this one because it is one of the moments that does paint them as, you know, Ernie and Bert, Laurel and Hardy, an old married couple, take whichever, uh, yeah. you know, illusion you would like. And they were just bickering like a couple of very close people about a dumb thing and Leia suffered the collateral damage. Like, were they even supposed to be in her room when they were fighting about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the character of of Leia, especially in Empire, is, is there's a lot of action, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of stress. We got that. But I think we we can't overlook the fact that as a princess of Alderaan, and then where we see her later on as General Leia, even Carrie Fisher herself telling Ryan Johnson, look, I need some space jewelry. Like, 
she is this well-rounded uh, character who appreciates good fashion uh, that probably, whether she knows it or not, comes from her mother. You know, I love this. And so I just I just have always envisioned this cabin with just just ice melting off of gowns. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a great one. So that is my number five, which uh, means now we're up to your number four, sir. My number four uh, also involves the great Leia Organa. It is a classic moment from Empire Strikes Back that gave us something larger culturally, but I wanted to zero in on a specific moment in which I have enjoyed this in culture. So my number four is I love you, I know, but specifically when they are matching T-shirts at Disneyland. <laughs> I love uh, I love you. I know, as many people do, we all know the behind the scenes of the, it was just Han saying I love you back, and then it, that yeah. both uh, Harrison Ford and Irvin Kershner wanted to, to strive for something more that felt more like Han Solo. It's, you know, it's great. We, we do- dove into the themes of Empire Strikes Back on the last main show, and I really do feel like one of the big themes is people being unsure that they can commit to who they are and doubting if they are reading other people correctly about who they are so in a way it's not just like a a cocky line to me the i love you is leia breaking through and saying i'm gonna let myself do it i'm gonna let myself let my guard down and drop protocol and and tell him that i love him he needs to know and then for han to say i know is this confirmation of Thank you for telling me, but I, I see you. I, I know that, you know, it's not just cocky to me. So there's a, yeah. there's a power in the actual scene, but the, so there's a reason that it has gone on to mean so much to, to people. And you see, I love you. I know you see tattoos, you see towels, you see whatever, but yeah. One of the last times I went to Disneyland, I saw that at Disneyland, they're selling the matching. I love you. I know shirts, which I thought, Oh, that's fun and great. And I thought, okay, but those are shirts that you have to wear standing right next to each other in in the correct order and then i swear to god three times i'm walking around and uh the other person in the couple has gone somewhere so Mm. i'm just seeing it was always a dude a dude walking around with a t-shirt that just says i know (laughs) 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 and it comes off as so uh funny and defensive i'm like what what i know i know i know what what is it you know? What are you talking about? Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. For yeah, and, and I I think that 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 moment I love diving deep into that moment. The behind the scenes story is legendary. It's also a, a lesson in unreliable narrators, uh, depending on who you talk to, and the fact you know, the fact that they finally unearthed actual audio recordings of how that went down. Like you said, Harrison and Irvin talked about it. Carrie Fisher gets mad, rightfully so. Uh, you know, uh, it's great there, but, but what you just said, it's such a powerful moment. I, I'm right with you too. It is not, it is Han. It is confident, a little cocksure, but it is not cocky and arrogant. It is what you said, a complete reflection of her. It is, it is, it is acknowledging the moment. And, and I, I think of uh, the 1987 movie, uh, Roxanne, which is Steve Martin's version of, you know, Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac. And there is that great moment where he's talking up to Daryl Hannah and, and, and she's talking about words and he's like, all the words have been taken. I'm paraphrasing, but all the words have been taken. Like I, <laughs> they're used on soap commercials, and this is that. So this is one of these great moments, a great declaration of, of love between two characters, support, and it is a hand towel, and it is a shirt, a set of shirts that needs to be together. <laughs> That's so right. So beautiful, Joseph. Great, 
great uh, choice on that one there. Uh, we are going to go up to uh, number four, number four on my list. And this is a uh, um, toy. This is a toy, mm. a toy collection. Um, and let me get something up here for some research. I am going to the Kenner Star Wars Micro Collection. I love these little figures. Now, the set did include a New Hope uh, inspired Death Star escape, but these are the tiny, tiny one and one fourth inch scale <laughs> figures that are uh, a, a hard uh, kind of pewter and they don't move. They come pre-posed and they were all about the Empire Strikes Back. They were like, how do we keep this going? This was covered wonderfully in the toys that made us, but I had these and I love these sets. And I used to daydream. I used to look at the Sears catalog, Joseph, and look <laughs> at the uh, the sets and go, wow, if I could just get the uh, shield generator set, which, yes, they just released a block of ice, the shield generator. And that was a play set. Uh, they had the ion cannon. They had tauntauns. They had a lot of uh, snow troopers, rebel troopers, Han. Um, I had the... Um, uh, I had the uh, Luke one with the arm cut off, uh, and and he was designed to just kind of be draped over someone's neck. <laughs> you couldn't move it, and so I had Han, and he would be duck. He was in in in, in his, uh, you know, his uh, Bespin jacket kind of thing, the the Empire jacket, crouched down, and so you could, and he was holding a blaster, and you could kind of put Luke on it, and that was it. The rest was your imagination. That's all you could do. There's a snow trooper crawling on his stomach as if he's yes. like scurling, scurrying through the, the snow. So I had that one. So he, he was my guy. I'd stand him up and he was the one taking a blaster shot because he looked like he was going, ah, his hands back. <laughs> I love this set. It did not last long. Not surprising. It, not as popular. Not as popular. And it went away. They had Return of the Jedi ones being made. But I, when I think of Empire Strikes Back and my youth, I think of these sets. And in fact, Joseph, and I'll end my little uh, monologue here, I thought these were gone. These were part of my memory. And as I guess I do a lot, it's a theme of my life. You'll see on some future Star Wars show and tell episodes. One, once uh, things were I thought lost are found again because I store things in so many different spots. <laughs> you were with me when I pulled down my 1996-97 special edition Star Wars Monopoly set. We were doing that video for Force Center. You can find it on yeah. I opened it up and I was like, oh my God, the micro collection figures are there. I had put them <laughs> in there in 1997 or 98 before I moved to LA and had never opened that box. And I thought they were gone and they're all there, all there. All my memories came rushing back. And I always think of those figures when I watch Empire Strikes Back. So that is why they're number four on my list. Oh, that is great. Yeah, these hold a, a powerful uh, place in my heart, a powerful place in my memory. I am uh, scrolling through and going to Nostalgia Town because oh, I think yeah. for a long time, um, I don't know where the actual sets are, but mm -hmm. I, I know like where the box of the actual little figures are. And I would play with them and I would say like, okay, well, now, now Han's going <laughs> to squat down to shoot <laughs> and swap them out. Um, yeah, and I, I think often of the Luke who is uh, got the injured hand and has the, the weird loopy arm so you can loop him on Bespin, but then you also had to get the Falcon where you had the Lando who was picking him up through the top hatch. Is that was, the, was that the connection? 
I'm looking at the picture, and it is that it, it's Lando com- is on the picture of the Millennium Falcon, Lando holding him up. So yeah, it was in a time. It's really interesting because I think these micro collections are uh, predictions of the future. You look at them now, and they feel like Lego figures because they're like, yeah, you get a set, but which specific you know minifigs basically do you mm. get with them? And then they also uh, sort of predate the idea of action figures of incredibly specific moments like the other luke i remember is it is luke uh crouched to be thrown out the window of bestman <laughs> oh my god so you're this is great i'm, I'm looking at the images right now and this i so i never had the falcon but that's the han and i have the 3po and i have the luke i didn't have chewy r2 and lando I don't know. I don't remember. I must have acquired them in a game of chance. I don't remember where I got those specific <laughs> figures. But you're right, because Luke is designed to also lay down on the little bed there in the Falcon. Oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah, man. That that Luke with uh, the he kind of looks like he lost his hand in a bar bet because then he looks like he's <laughs> drunk and like, can somebody hold me up, please? Uh, and, uh, yeah. yeah. They did release the Bespin control room set, and that's the one you're talking about. It's got Vader. It's got Luke ready to be tossed out. <laughs> Yeah, looking at this, I had a lot of them, and I think it is the toys who made it described. I think these were very much designed uh, for like, hey, parents who don't have a ton of money, have your children been bothering you for years to buy the Death Star <laughs> or the Falcon? Here's a cheaper way that you can get your hands on it. Oh, it's so good. The Death Star Escape was great, and I would, I would love, just absolutely love to see the Return of the Jedi ones. I've never really seen if there's any concepts out there because they, they started production and then they, then they wrapped it all up. I, I That would just be amazing to see Jabba, uh, you know, Akbar. Do, do you have Akbar's command deck? Do you oh. have that one? Ewok, uh, Ewok Village, a Bright Tree Village in mini form. Like, oh my God, that'd be the best. Yeah, and the Bespin one is actually called Bespin World. When you buy, you could buy the pizzas individually, but then you could buy them all together. When you do that, it's Bespin World. <laughs> Mom, let's go to Bespin World. <laughs> too much. Too much. I want to go to Bespin World. <laughs> so there you go. My number four uh, is uh, is that, and it clearly inspires some memories in both of us. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry about that, man. No, oh uh, my god, that's I love what I love when. I love when we expose that we're Star Wars fans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to stop the podcast and just look at figures for a moment. Yeah. Powerful yeah. memories. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. My number four uh, means uh, we're up to your number three. My number three is just plain old, straight up Bespin Luke. The way he looks in the film, all the action figures, uh, the small micro collection figures we just talked about, uh, the outfit. The concept of Bespin Luke, uh, what Bespin Luke kind of means in his growth for Luke, all of it. Uh, Because uh, here's the thing that I think has happened as natural growth and progression of Star Wars. Uh, The Return of the Jedi comes out and that Luke in his black Jedi robes is so cool. That action figure is so cool. It's a huge step forward. It's the first time he has the correct color for his lightsaber because before for the Kenner action figures, his lightsaber was just yellow for some reason. Uh, And the, you know, iconic shots of him on the sail barge with the green lightsaber, 
all that stuff really just captures people's imagination in some ways. That's Luke Skywalker. That's Luke Skywalker that goes on in the expanded universe book. So that's the one that people live with. But for those years of time, when I was a kid, before Return of the Jedi came out, everything was about Bespin Luke to me. And he doesn't get featured as much. You know, he never got added to Battlefront 2 as a as a costume because I think he's uh, not as a high priority maybe uh, for the whole fan community right now. But to me, he was everything. Just the aesthetic, having mm. both the blaster and the lightsaber, the sort of the coolness of back in the early 80s you would see the image everywhere where he is pointing his blaster right at the camera or this really strange promo photo uh where he's got his lightsaber out uh on dagobah but one of his hands is floating right above the actual blade for some reason um but there are just images everywhere of this cool mysterious warrior and when i was a kid that was pretty much it he was like this cool mysterious likable warrior that you could aspire to be and then as i got older and and actually you know understood the lessons of empire strikes back that that luke comes to represent you know the luke in crisis where he is wanting to be a warrior but doesn't understand that that is not how to be and that that is not what will achieve any of his goals and i kind of even like that concept of bespin luke is is the luke who is in crisis and learning the lessons that he has to learn uh and i as i talked about on the main show i like focusing on those moments where our heroes aren't perfect and they still have to learn because i think that's just as relatable as having the kind of uh power fantasy of when they're fully formed and can kick ass but mm. what are they like when they they have power but they don't know how to use it yet and bespin luke re- uh represents all those things to me as well as just being for me aesthetically uh, really cool really powerful man i wonder if there's a movie later on in the star wars line that maybe has an older version of luke kind of connected <laughs> back to this saying i've learned some powerful lessons about the idea of going to kick ass hmm, i wonder i wonder um but to this uh you've just described some beautiful stuff i'm so happy you brought this up um this is like like Mark Riley, our friend, he goes to Empire. He goes to that fight between Vader and Luke. He goes everything about it. And you're so right in just, uh, I'm saying it plain here, but just the image of the lightsaber and the blaster. Um, we don't get that uh, in, uh, you know, too much in Jedi. Though, I mean, he takes the Gamorrean Guard's blaster. Let me put that aside. But just that's that's not associated with Jedi Luke, uh, uh, dark clothed Luke, as you said. Uh, it is Empire, and it's the transition. It is the farm boy who, in the beginning, he's is is a he's a commander. He's he's part of this army. You know, you, that's what you show up for Star Wars for, and it, and it, and to to go through the journey just just to have it all kind of come into that figure. And he's beat up. A lot of my memories of Bespin Luke are beat up, bruised, battered. That's pretty powerful stuff as you start to grow up and grow older. But to to have that figure, to have what it means, and you're right, it's. It's quite frankly overlooked a lot. I don't know if it's the color scheme. It's just kind of bland and beige. Maybe if you're just scanning through figures, he's not the the white tunicked uh, naive farm boy. He's not that everyone loves the dark, the dark and gritty uh, Skywalker from Jedi. But yeah, there's so much power in that figure and that design and everything. Yeah. About it. And again, I know it's not just about the figure, but everything about it. Well yeah, said. The, 
the figure is how I, you know, you take it home and celebrate it. And, and so there's some of that and all those promo images and all those things that there's various images of him on the tops trading bubblegum cards back in the day. Uh, yeah. And it was, it's hard to put into words looking at his jacket and just feeling that's cool is one of the first times that I think in my mind, I was, I didn't know the word aesthetic, but that I was thinking right. about aesthetics. And I remember thinking, that's so cool. I have to have that action figure. Why is that cut of that jacket in those pockets? Why is that so cool? Why do I like it so much? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and to your point about the, the blaster and the laser, I think one of the, the true iconic moments of Bespin Luke is when he walks into the carbon freezing chamber and he senses Vader and he looks at his blaster and just like, you're useless to me now <laughs> and puts yeah. it away. And that, that's such an important moment in yeah. his transition. Right. Like, right. That's so, uh, it's so big. It's so deep. It's just so simple. It's so simple. You don't have to overthink about it. It's right there for you, but it's all part of the, the tapestry of Bespin Lou. Great choice, man. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Love that. Love that. Well, we're going to a little bit more of a simpler choice, but it's an important choice. This is one of the, one of the things I've, I've talked about before I've written about before. I, I do love it. Uh, it is capes. It is cape. <laughs> and here's the thing. Darth Vader shows up with the coolest cape of them all, right? We love it. He's a villain. He's It's very vaudevillian. It's all those kind of things, and I love it. And Williams, you know, the Imperial March shows up in this movie, not the first movie, but, uh, you know, the, the when, when Vader shows up, it you know in A New, New Hope, and it's very old school. But I got to tell you, man, capes are so much uh, a part of Star Wars. Krennic and anyone else going forward, any of the new era. But it comes from Lando, man. And I love Lando. I love Lando Carissian. I love what he brings i love i love billy billy d williams i was watching an older interview uh it might be from empire dreams been watching re-watching empire dreams a lot so it's been popping up but just him talking he's just like yeah he gives all these big reasons why why lando was important and everything and he's and, and billy d williams says and also he's kind of cute because i was cute and <laughs> it's just so great and so he brings this new sense of of fashion because you know new hope Princess Leia, she got some fashion. She got the hair buns. She got an iconic look. But, you know, it's a plain white dress. You know, she got a good belt thing around, belt, belt combo. But, you know, Luke's in his work outfit. Han's in a vest. Uh, gentlemen, <laughs> don't don't go for the vests. All right. Um, there's a lot of things. And then just the drab look of the Empire and everything. And here he comes, man. And he is in the clouds. He's got a city in the clouds. And he's suave. And he's smooth. And he's complicated. But he brings that look. And that, I think, going forward. When everyone wants to create a Star Wars character that has capes or people talk about capes in Star Wars, Vader is important. Vader is the first, but it's Lando that made it a fashion statement. And I think about that scene in Solo. It's just I love Kira going through his capes. I love that for Rise of Skywalker, they bring back that look, that color scheme. And it is uh, it is so different. And, and you know. You and I, you were talking on on Tuesday in the main show. Just some of the we were talking about the, the cinematography and the look of, of Empire. One of my favorite shots in Star Wars is during the Han torture scene, and they go out, and it's Boba Fett with his bright colors and cool armor, Lando with the blue and the cape, and 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 him himself being a, a black man in this world. He brings that new color palette that wasn't there in New Hope. And then you got Vader, and then you got the that maroon kind of background there that that's in the chamber. 
Yeah. It's one of my favorite shots in Star Wars because it is all these bright, bold colors that weren't as present in A New Hope. And that just, to me, and it's not against New Hope, that just shows the the movement of the story and moving a lot of things forward and giving you this new look. And it all comes from Lando. It all comes from his dress. And it all comes from that cape. I love it. Oh, that's so great. Uh, I think uh, the uh, extension of Lando bringing capes to the galaxy is a great observation and a great statement of capes. They're not just for the bad guys, damn it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, and I still want one. I still want to make one work. I don't know. Yeah. I remember always being fascinated, too, that it, it didn't seem to fasten, that he was just cool enough that he could keep it on his shoulders. I, sir, just thought about, I mean, I've thought about that before, but I, I was really thinking about it on Sunday night. I was watching Sunday night, Monday morning, rewatching Empire for our shows this weekend. Well, after Han punches him, whatever, yeah, it, he just puts it on. Yeah, like I, I can't keep a bath towel around my neck, you know? <laughs> yeah, just a little twitch, and it's back in place. <laughs> back in place. Love it there. So uh, that is my number three, which means, sir, we are on to your number two. My number two kind of sounds like a joke, but there's a little bit of seriousness behind the joke. But my number two of things that uh, Empire, Strike Back's, Empire Strikes Back gave us is the fear that any villain you encounter might be your father. laughing but that's serious (laughs) it is serious it is it is both a joke and it's serious because i think that is what that twist is uh that huge twist where uh vader says no i am your father not luke i'm your father is it gets uh misquoted in popular culture uh we've talked about it before but it is that a new hope definitely does have some gray area especially if you want to dig down it's got han's moral journey and the question of is he a scoundrel or not but a lot of it is luke and leia wear bright clothes oh han might be a little bit bad so he's black and white but vader is black and the stormtroopers are white yes but they're all uniform and menacing and it's just, it's so crystal clear good guys bad guys the good guys won yay and then empire introduces all of this ambiguity and i think the biggest bit of ambiguity the one that you know really nails it home is maybe the bad guy isn't who you think he is maybe somebody that you should or could care about is just a huge twist that makes star wars deeper forever um but then it explodes out into popular culture right it is like one of the most famous movie twists ever like if somebody just wants to do kind of a litany of like obvious uh straightforward spoiler jokes you know it's uh it's rosebud and vader is luke's father it is up there with absolutely uh iconic twists there's the famous simpsons joke of uh Homer being a boob and spoiling it loudly for people in line. Uh, and it, it lives on to this day of like the vast, ma- not the vast majority. There's, there's uh, so many uh, books in pop culture things. There's like weird uh, Father's Day cards yes. with Vader that are like, even to this day, a little questionable of like, yeah, we're having fun, but come on. <laughs> not a good dad, not an inspirational dad. Um, so I, to me, it has that depth of, the internal conflict and the moral ambiguity of Star Wars. It asks you to question those things. It is one of the greatest examples of storytelling twist in cinema. And it is one of the moments in Star Wars that has inspired the most uh, memes, jokes, and pop culture references. I, I love tying it to the, the just the greater influence and how that's lurking around every story. Even in Star Wars, it's, 
self going forward, you know, uh, with Ray's identity and who's there and how. Um, oh, yeah. It's a little more at times expected. And so sometimes when it's even not there, it gets it gets people upset, you know, uh, you know what? But it should be connected. And then when it turns out, you know, that's a different conversation. I don't want to go down that route. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, and, 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 and it's mind blowing in, in watching some of the behind the scenes and reading some of the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, to to go into uh, you know Lucas's mind where that wasn't necessarily the plan, but now it just seems like how could you not think that because it's so simple and it's and it's genius and it's I I think but I'm I'm I'm, I'm as I'm talking I'm thinking well that's just because of the stuff you said this just influenced so much and it goes out to now again if if it's not there I I'm like what what how could you tell a story without a secret identity that gets connects the character on this level and challenges the character. Cause that's the big thing when yeah. these bigger connections, the challenge to Luke is, yeah. is the important part of it. And I, I, yeah, the challenge to Luke. And I think just thematically to star Wars as well, we talk a lot about star Wars being about uh, family and found family and dealing with past generations and that, that sense in a new hope that, the past is reaching out to determine the present uh, fully if we're not careful the way uh, that Owen is worried about Luke becoming his father and Luke wants to become a Jedi uh, to be like his father before him by making Vader his actual father. These things that are just ideas about a person who isn't there suddenly become active. Suddenly they're real and they matter and they're not the past isn't lurking in the past. It's the present. And that is what Luke has to deal with actively in the moment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going, yeah, because I'm just thinking the history of it and how we got there and love that decision and love that it wasn't wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. It wasn't part of the original plan. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say about this quickly is uh, part of the reason I, I phrase it in the jokey way of uh, the fear that any villain you encounter might be your father. I do think it 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 uh, sits on top of uh, all pop culture. I think when you you're learning a new mythos, there is always that question lingering, I think, in pop culture, uh, partially because of Vader. Not that there weren't stories like this in mythology, but Star Wars yeah. is our modern mythology. But, you know, you start a new read in Harry Potter and you you ask yourself who Voldemort is. Mm -hmm. because Star Wars made it a little bit more concrete in our modern pop culture that you never know who the villain really is. Yeah, and I love that you touch on a lot of the stuff came before, and that was kind of George's point. Like, let me go to the salad bar of mythology and cook <laughs> you up and prepare you something so good for now, and it, it is going to influence everybody going forward. I, I think that was part of the, the genius of what he, what he pulled off and, and everyone behind the scenes. So, well said. <laughs> Good choice. Salad bar mythology. Open, yeah. open soon here in Berlin. Who's your daddy croutons? <laughs> uh, that was your number two. Your number two, right? Yeah. I lost I lost track. We're having so much fun discussion discussing this. Um, we're gonna go to my number two, and my number two is Leia the leader. All right. You grow up in the 70s, you got a princess. The opening crawl definitely paints this picture. She's in charge. It's her people she's trying to save. You don't get the full story. Uh, Lucas didn't know if he'd have the chance to tell that full story. We didn't know that. Then he does. And I think one of the best thing Empire does, we talked a lot about the get to your transport scene on Tuesday, what that means. And she, she's a boots on the ground type of leader to me, everything. But 
beyond that, I still go to what we think when we hear General Leia in Force Awakens before we had seen that movie. We go, oh, well, yeah, because you know, she is a leader. She's a lot of things, but she's she's a leader. We talk about her, the steadfast nature of the character, right? You mentioned that on Tuesday, too. She she sometimes doesn't seem to have a lot of traditional arc. She does an empire, but because she gets information and she's what you I think you said resolute, right? She's like, nope, this doesn't knock me off who I am. Yeah. Power of Leia. But I think I, I, I think an empire, you're coming out of New Hope where she has. You know, she's the princess, she's a leader, but then she has Dodon and she's just these other people and you start to learn, okay, she, they're, they're, she's part of something bigger. That's great. Um, then she's just kind of sitting there. I, I think it's kind of just an inactive moment, a series of moments for her. She's f- afraid. She's in the base. She's she's probably making some decisions or calls we don't see, but on screen, she's just reacting with 3PO and she's not in, in one of the fighters. She's not leading on that level. Again, I'm fine with that, but to see an empire, you come back, you fade in, we're on this new planet, she's there, she's making decisions. She's working with Carlos Riken for sure. Uh, she's definitely gonna cite him. Like, hey, you know, he Riken says it's not it's not me that's keeping here, hon. It's Riken. But she's in charge, she's giving the briefings. She is uh uh you know, the the having all the pilots around her, everyone's looking to her, and it sets the template going forward. And just puts Leia in the true position. It pays off to me what is said in the opening crawl of New Hope. These are her people. This is her rebellion, even though there's so many other characters. And as the story keeps growing, I love learning all about Mothma and Infus Ness and all these people that f- helped form the rebellion, whether literally or spiritually. But it's Leia, it's General Leia. And I think a lot of that comes from Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I think that's great. And I think highlighting those moments in Hoth where you truly see her kind of in command, literally in a military base, uh, making a call is not willing to leave until all of her people are okay. That's all great. And, th- and then she goes on this journey where it's kind of a, it's, we're in Han's world a little bit because he's using all of his old scoundrel tricks to try to evade the Empire and repair the ship. And, and she's there and she is uh, helping. But then once Han is frozen in carbonite, she takes over again once uh once lando rescues her uh, i love how much chewie does exactly what han said of like you know he well actually kind of the opposite because he, he he says the princess you have to protect her and then uh i love how much in the movie chewie just does what <laughs> what leia says you know mm. um she he she he releases uh lando when she says so and when she senses luke and uh and lando's not sure about turning it around she's like no we're going to and chewie gives him the big roar and mm-hmm. she's really in, in command of their escape yeah absolutely yeah yeah it, it's it's uh it's like, and to me that connects all the way up to the the, the moment of leia the eyes on Kraid and and the loss and even now in rise of skywalker uh, it, it just pays it off. So uh, we owe a lot of that to the Empire Strikes Back. Get to your transports. I'm going to stick around to the bitter end. Love it. Love it. Uh, that is uh, my number two, which means we are going to take a quick break and come back. We got a couple honorable mentions, as we always do. And then Joseph and I are going to give our uh, number one choice uh, for the best things Empire Strikes Back. Gave. Stick around here on Force Center. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, 
and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Forsen on YouTube. Check it out. Star Wars Rank. Joseph Scrimshaw and I are looking back at the Empire Strikes Back and answering the question, what are the best things Empire Strikes Back gave us a list that's all over the place, from the fun, silly little toys to the weird things on the screen to the big emotional themes. It's all there because that's what this movie inspires. All Star Wars movies do, but this one, fourth anniversary, still considered the best of the best of the best. So it uh, deserves this examination here. All right, Joseph, do you have any honorable mentions on your list of the best things Empire gave us? Oh, I sure do. I sure do. And I, I tried to think of for myself personally and, and the larger world, but some of these are personal. Uh, one of them is uh, not just Bosk, but Bosk through time, leading all the way up to Bosk in Battlefront 2. I love playing Bosk. He, of all the characters who say fun things, he says some of the best and the rudest. He throws his Dioxys grenades and says, breathe death. And I like sometimes when he throws his Dioxys grenade and he just says, Dioxys. Like, yes. That's that's what you threw, Bosk. <laughs> First of all, can we say Bosk through time is the uh, new Disney Plus show we need? <laughs> please, please. I absolutely want like just a, a, a sort of documentary with Bosk in a rocking chair looking back <laughs> on his years as a hunter, a hunter looking for prey. So I, I love that Bosk is like, hey, we got we got some we need some scary bounty hunters. I love his growl. Uh, but then just. We don't have a costume for him. Here's an old one from Doctor Who. And yet he continues to this day still wearing that old outfit from Doctor Who. That's an amazing legacy. Uh, so Bosk is a runner up for me. A runner up just in from Empire Strikes Back of continuing cultural references and impacts. Uh, going back to uh, the April Fool's product uh, for... Um, for one of one of the 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 just let's have fun with Star Wars the Tauntaun sleeping bag that was put out on April Fools is ha ha it's a joke but it was really just a soft test of would people buy a Tauntaun sleeping bag so you could sleep inside a Tauntaun like Luke and the answer was a resounding yes yes uh another uh runner up is um this is something that's brought both joy and I think pain and that is the endless video game levels in which you need to figure out the new mechanic for circling around in at-at as a snowspeeder so you can wrap your cord around and bring it down so you can relive one of the coolest scenes in Empire Strikes Back while also just swearing and mashing buttons. They, it was uh, when they relaunched Battlefront 2015. There's part That's in there too, right? Because you could do that. On one of the walkers, if I'm remembering. I and think I, so, yeah. I, I, I didn't play that one anywhere near as much as you did. Yeah, and I just remember thinking, here we go again. And you're so right. Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> oh, it took me so long. So long to do that. It is in all of them. Uh, I also wanted to shout out the Snow Trooper, just because it's a yeah. cool design. Uh, it's kind of goes along with capes because the action figure came with the vinyl cloak. And, you know, in the movie, it's got it's kind of half butt cape, the snow trooper. But yeah. the snow trooper, if you didn't get a new trooper in Empire Strikes Back, the tradition of new troopers might not have been launched. Ah, yeah, that that is definitely part of the legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, makes sense. And it would. Yeah. Have you ever thought of just ever like what, what if the troopers, normal troopers just showed up on Hoth, you know? 
Would yeah. That, would it have been as cool as a sequence? Yeah, probably. Maybe. I don't know, but I just I don't have to think that because I love the snowtroopers because they're there. That's right. And then we have snowtroopers to thank all the way through to shore troopers. Uh, and my final runner-up, you brought up Leia as leader. I think one of the great legacies of Empire Strikes Back is uh, Leia as another hope. Uh, the no, there is another connecting through to the way that she connects with Luke when he calls out to her, which is our first on-screen evidence that she is Force-sensitive, that she is, in fact, powerful, and that just gets uh, built on and built on until the glory of Rise of Skywalker, where the promise of Leia Organa Skywalker Solo as another hope comes through, and she is not just another hope, she is a vital hope just as powerful, just as important as Luke. And that all starts in Empire Strikes Back. It really does. That's one of the big ones there. We could uh, probably spend a lot of time talking about that one there. Uh, great, uh, great list. Uh, we always have some tough calls to make on these runner-ups and honorable mentions. So uh, tough cuts, but good list there. Uh, for me, I, you know, also, a Tauntaun, uh, you mentioned, oh. I just love the Tauntaun. I, I just, there's some of the design, the sound, everything about it. I, I love the idea behind it. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of things in Empire that might not be on this list that you out there thinking, you know, Imperial March, Yoda's theme, the walkers themselves. That's all there. That's all there. This, this was a very open-ended list for a reason, just to see where Joseph and I's uh, minds and hearts went when we think about Empire. But I definitely go to Tauntaun. Uh, one of them for me, Wedge Antilles returning. Mm. Uh, and that kind of sets up this tradition or sometimes a frustration when it's not there. Even Greg Grungberg saying, man, I, I wanted to be in Last Jedi, but it wasn't there because, you know, the pilots, the pilots go on a lot. And that's a Star Wars tradition. And Wedge, you know, for them to pull him back. Hey, you know, that guy survived. You know, he flew off. We saw him going back to base. Let's do that. Let's bring him back. Uh, I love that. And Wedge Antilles is a very beloved character. And it's because he showed back up. Yeah. Well, uh biggs love for different reason porkins love for different reasons but no longer with us uh the other thing i think about when i think of empire is this is really where my love of those weird background quotes starts to kick in mm. uh, this movie has some favorite backgrounds and i and one that's i wouldn't even say this is in the background it's pretty direct but hobby go two fighters against a star destroyer <laughs> i mean that's just the best and my other favorite like truly background kind of just you hear it it's it's not a focus of the of the moment is it's metal like just the best, just the best. <laughs> and, and uh the standby ion control all these little tiny yeah. Quotable quotes that are, believe me, they were there in New Hope, but they re really start to kick up to a new level. And so when I celebrate, what is she proposing? That is in spirit connecting to Empire and some of these moments. I love those quotes there. That's great. You know what one of my growing favorites is? Is when Piet is uh, unhappy with the bounty hunters being on the bridge and he's just like to the other Imperial officer, like, we don't need this scum. <laughs> the other officer is just like, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And then you got, of course, Bosk, the many lives of Bosk, kind of looking yeah. down. But I, yes, I love that the officer's like, man, my boss was really upset today about something. I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't get, I just needed to get back to my cabin. Um, I, I, I just tune him out and say yes, sir, whatever. I don't know what the hell he's talking about anymore. I'm trying to do my job. The Empire's in office. And the final one for me, I love this. If, 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 if on the off chance you're listening and you haven't seen this and taken this in, you can go find it on YouTube. Go look it up. It was featured at uh, some convention displays for Lucasfilm uh, this uh, past year or so. And actually, it was our pal Daniel Kennedy's idea. He suggested it. And I love it. And it is 
the wonderfully weird Harrison Ford voiced Empire Strikes Back trailer. Hmm. Love that one. I love that Harrison was like, mind if I give it a shot? And they're like, sure. Come on down to the studio. And he's not doing a big Don LaFontaine voice. He's 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 having a little fun, but it's just Harrison Ford inviting you to watch the next thrilling chapter in the Star Wars saga and to have this kind of out of the body experience of, of Han Solo talking about Han Solo in an official movie trailer is just wonderfully weird and bizarre. And I love it. It really is. Man, can you imagine that these days if, uh, you know, Chris Evans was just like, hey, Ryan, can I have a whack at the Knives Out trailer? Yeah, exactly. And and not even like, is that just like, hey, everybody, uh, Chris Evans' voice, the one you know, talking about this movie I'm in. It's thrilling. And, and, and it's, it's obviously a different style of trailers back in the day. It's it's a lot of different uh, different things. But, um, uh, but yeah, anyways, I love it. It's part of the legacy. So that is uh, that. So uh, that is the honorable mentions we got here, which means we are up to our number one choice in the best things Empire Strikes Back gave us. I'll go with my number one so that Joseph can end the show with his. And this is the one I said was really influenced by some of the stuff you brought up mm. Tuesday, Joseph, because it really made me focus on it. Talking about the themes. There's a lot of themes that we uh, did the big dives into that are very present and they're part of the conversations around it. But you chose the way you chose to describe one of the themes Empire Strikes Back is defeat. And. I really was thinking about that. And it's the second chapter of a story. It is the long, dark tea time of the soul that stories have. Uh, one of my favorite second uh, movies, stories in a franchise is Two Towers. And I think that's similar to this. Now, that obviously Tolkien uh, wrote that before and that kind of general theme, uh, even though Jackson kind of did a different thing with it in the movie, as we know. But so it's been present. Last Jedi. It's failure, it's defeat, it's the lessons of that. And I go back to Empire, and we talk about part of the legacy of a second chapter. We keep making the jokes about Jaws 2 and 3 and 4. It's just, <laughs> uh, you mentioned Bond, which is a little different, but it's the same thing of the next Bond is an all-new Bond. Uh, until you kind of get up to the Daniel Craig stuff, it's just changed a little bit. Empire is the second chapter, and it expands the story in all these ways. We've talked about it. But one of the things to me it does is it takes defeat. It takes the hero losing. Luke showing up. I mentioned how I thought, you know, just like, uh, you know, a, a rebel ship is here. X-Wing class. Oh, Skywalker's are here. And if you're watching in 1980, you're like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Main event and the hero's going to win. And he doesn't. And the movie ends with this sort of hopeful. We're going to get Han because Han's frozen. We got our butts kicked. We've done nothing but make mistake after mistake and, 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 or just lose even against our, our you know, with, with our best efforts. And it makes it also entertaining and it makes it also real and deep. And you talk about like the expectations of, hey, Luke, Luke is uh, your Vader. Vader's your father and how we kind of expect that kind of stuff. I think a lot of what I, I'm interpreting that people want from not just Star Wars, but other franchises of, you know, treating something very real uh, that is that is high fantasy or you know, myth and space opera stuff. I look at Empire and how it just it took defeat and it made it so damn entertaining. It made it so <laughs> important and so damn full of lessons. And it is a movie that is as is advertised. The Empire strikes back and they strike back hard. And I just think to me that is the, my favorite thing and the best thing for my list that the Empire Strikes Back gave us is the actual empire striking back and uh, people having to deal with that. Our heroes having to cope with, yeah. uh, with going through the trauma and learning the lessons. 
and being so damn good. The entertainment of defeat. The entertainment of defeat. Yeah, that's a great point that it has, again, nothing that uh, Lucas entirely invented that the second act would be the, the one where things are really going wrong for our heroes, but really solidified it into modern culture and the way that we talk about the way a trilogy is shaped. And it certainly influenced Attack of the Clones and The Last Jedi and makes that idea of it, uh, a, especially that like a science fiction genre, serial yarn doesn't always just have to be we keep using James Bond as example, just doesn't have to always be like, yeah, and James Bond kicked this person's ass today. Sometimes it is better if the hero gets their ass kicked. Yeah. Sometimes we want those stories. Yeah. Yeah. And then that often leads to the problem with the resolution of the story where it seems kind of a letdown. <laughs> uh, they won. Uh, I liked the struggle. So that is my number one, uh, sir. What is your number one? My number one, I tried to go a little bit all over the map of some larger cultural things, some things that I remember specifically from being alive during Empire Strikes Back's uh, first run um, and some things that are personal. Uh, I'm ending on something that is mostly personal, certainly that many people share it, but in a way they do not, because mm -hmm. my number one is my personal 1980 Yoda with the hard orange snake action figure. <laughs> Yeah, he is sitting right here on my desk. Uh, the majority of my action figures are in storage in my old home state of Minnesota. But on one of my visits a couple years ago, I was just like, I can't I can't be apart from Yoda anymore. I've, I've had him since 1980. Uh, the memory is foggy, but I knew that I wanted him. He was the, he was an action figure that I was like, I have a little bit of money. We are going shopping please, please, please let me finally find a Yoda. And I remember turning around and seeing him and the joy. And uh, this was a time we were in Portland, Oregon at the time. And it was a time that I didn't have a lot of the other many places I lived where there were a bunch of kids on the block and you'd go outside and you just play with the kids on the block. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple kids tried to get Yoda from me because he was rare. And they would say, I'll give you all of my Empire action figures. I'll give you yeah. five action figures for one Yoda. And I would have to resist. So I have fought to keep this little guy in my life. Um, awesome. So there's all that personal connection with just the the discovery of the action figure, owning the action figure for all these years, uh, taking careful care of his, uh, his snake and his cane. <laughs> Make sure I never lose him. His little belt. Uh, making sure that stays uh, healthy and happy. Um, but it's also just a little symbol of this character walking through life with me because when I got him, I, I, I was young, but I understood the general like, oh, he was pretending to be something he's not. And, uh, and yeah. he is actually saying this wisdom that I should try to listen to, but I, I kind of bummed out about the... Uh, action adventure shouldn't be craved because that's kind of what i do like all right i need to uh, wrestle with that but when i was a kid what this action figure what this character meant to me is he was a little weirdo that was more knowledgeable than people thought that people right. didn't initially respect and i think i really glommed on to him for that and i really loved his comedy moments as a little kid you know you go now and uh, and and i have a million different uh answers for what is yoda's most important quote in empire strikes back but when i was a kid and i had this action figure and i would turn on the water spigot outside the house to make it muddy so it looked like he was on dagobah yes. my favorite line of yoda was mine 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 oh <laughs> because he was about the comedy 
and about the charm just as much as he is about the wisdom. Ah, oh, what a what a great story! And I I know what you feel, man, when you're connected to an item you had, and it is it is a it is a living, breathing time capsule, and with you a journey through your entire existence, but especially fandom. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. powerful stuff to hold on to it. Uh, you know, sometimes hey, uh, clear your closets out. I get it. I can respect it. I'm going through a little weird phase myself with that. But then you find some things, and you're just like, I can't. This was with me. And it represents so much. I love that you had to fight to keep it Yeah, on, on the mean streets of Portland. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. Sean drove a hard bargain, but I said no to Sean. Yeah, it's like trading baseball cards. You know, there's no way I'm giving up the Yoda. And it's a great <laughs> figure. Uh, there is, you know, I, I try really hard. We, to, we At Force Center, we try really hard to just, uh, you know, acknowledge all generations of Star Wars fans and your different entry points. And, and if you didn't live with something on a day-to-day basis in 1980, you might not be aware of it. So we don't ever want to cast any aspersions or shame at anyone who, who was not born when we were but there was a rather popular youtuber who uh, was doing some review of a re-release of the yoda and it was done in this kenner classic thing with the snake and i remember this this youtuber kind of made a like why does it have a snake like why why does it have a snake and 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 that they got jumped on uh which i don't condone but i i had a moment because i saw it and was like it's a snake man so uh, it is very representative of of our time as fans in the early '80s. So a powerful figure all around. Powerful. Yeah, that's right. Powerful. powerful. Someone at Kenner was smart enough to know what is what is Yoda all about. He is about the power of the organic world around him. The Force grows in all things, even a hard orange snake. Damn it. <laughs> a great way to close down this list because Yoda is. He's all over Empire with a good reason. So that is our look. And the best thing the Empire Strikes Back gave us, Joseph. Thank you for your list and so many personal things on that list. Uh, I love it very much, man. A great list to you as well, Ken. A lot of fun today. A lot of fun celebrating the Empire Strikes Back. 40 years. What did that movie bring to you? You can let us know. By joining the conversation on Twitter, go to uh, Four Center Pod and use the hashtag Star Wars Rank like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram. Don't forget we are on YouTube. Videos there. We're recording a, a show and tell right after this episode. So uh, we're looking forward to having special guest Mike Black on for that. You can go to YouTube for that. Uh, you can check out our uh, merch on tpublic.com slash user slash four center. If you want an audio book on us, go to audibletrial.com slash four center. And as we mentioned up top, you heard the new opening intro to Star Wars Rank. You're about to hear the closing outro to Star Wars Rank by the great Tony Thaxton. Go follow Tony online. He's got a Patreon for the uh, podcast he does about the, the the music albums. He's done a lot of wonderful things out there. Got a lot, got a lot of wonderful things out there. Um, but you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Force Center. And uh, Joseph, they can follow you online as well. That's right. I'm Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can follow all my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can follow me at kednapsock.com. We'll see you next time. Star Wars has been ranked.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 